reading this morning is Ephesians chapter 5, reading verses 8 to 20. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. The fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what, what the disobedient do in secret. Everything exposed by light becomes visible. Everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, good morning, uh, Staines Kong. It's fantastic to be back with you again, albeit virtually. Uh, I had hoped to be uh, with you uh, physically, but alas... That was not uh, God's will. Uh, even so, it's great to be with you virtually this morning, and it's a real blessing to once again uh, be uh, exploring uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians with you. Today we're looking at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 to 20, so I'd appreciate it if you could keep that open uh, in your Bibles or on your screens or whatever you're using. Uh, let me pray, and then we'll dig into this fantastic passage together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that uh, you have provided us with the technology to carry on meeting together, even if it is only virtually. And Lord, I thank you that uh, you uh, promised to speak to us through your word, the Bible. Uh, and Lord, that is what we have uh, uh, expectations of you doing this morning. Uh, and so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to listen for your voice, uh, that you would present to us the Lord Jesus. Uh, and that seeing and trusting in him, you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, conform us to his image. That we would be more able to serve you, um, our brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, our, na our nation, uh, and indeed our world for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now imagine you are working in the garden. Okay, you've been doing some digging, some tidying, maybe getting things ready for the winter, uh, you're cold, you're dirty, uh, and imagine that you are going out for a walk with uh, somebody, only one other person remember, but you're going out for a walk uh, with that person later on in the day. Well what do you do? You go into the house when the time comes, you go upstairs, you take off your dirty clothes uh, and you have a shower. Then you get out the shower, you get clean, what you don't do at that point is go downstairs, pick up your keys, walk out of the house completely naked and drive off to go and meet your friend. No, that would be utterly ridiculous. Uh, instead, you take off your dirty clothes, you get clean and then you put on clean clothes before you leave the house. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been thinking about what Paul meant in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, when he tells us to live lives which are worthy of the gospel. Now, it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking that living a life worthy of the gospel means to stop 
sinning. And well, we just stop there. Now, of course, don't get me wrong, it's important that we seek the Holy Spirit's power um, to stop doing the things that we know are contrary to God's will. But if it never goes further than that, then we're like the person who changes out of their dirty gardening clothes and then goes out of the house completely naked. God's desire is not simply that we put off or stop sinning, but also that we put on or pursue godliness in its place. Or to put it simply, God wants us to stop acting like we were and begin to start being who we are in Jesus. This theme of be who you are uh, runs right the way through uh, verses 8 to 20. Uh, and this morning we're going to explore it under four headings. Here's the first one. Be holy, verses 8 to 14. Be holy. Number two, be proactive, verses 15 to 17. Be proactive. Number three, be spirit-filled, verse 18. Be spirit-filled. And then number four, be worshipful, verses 19 to 20. Be worshipful. So four things. Be holy, be proactive, be spirit-filled, be worshipful. The first thing Paul wants us to pursue in the place of sin is holiness. He wants us to be holy, verses 8 to 14. I wonder what you think of when you think of holiness. Uh, maybe you think of someone who's super serious, maybe a bit high and mighty, who thinks that they're better than you. The kind of person that leaves you thinking, oh, why do you have to be so holy all the time? Whatever comes to mind when you think of holiness, it's worth remembering two things. Firstly, on a basic level, to be holy means to be set apart and different. And is most often used in the Bible to describe moral and spiritual purity. So holiness is not an outward display that we put on, but it's an inward quality. It's who we are. In many ways, a good measure of our holiness is how we act when we think no one is looking or listening. Second, the Bible tells us over and over and over again that God is holy. He's set apart and different and pure. Last week we saw in chapter 5 verse 1 that we're to imitate God. And that means we are to be holy too, which is precisely the point Paul is making in verses 8 to 14. Now, the sharp-eyed among you will notice that the word holy doesn't make an appearance in verses 8 to 14. But another word does, and it's a word that's most often used as a metaphor, a word picture for holiness, and that is the word light. For example, in the, when the Bible says in 1 John 1 verse 5 that God, that, uh, God is light and in him is no darkness at all, John is saying that God is holy and free from sin and evil. Similarly, when Paul says at the end of Ephesians 8, live as children of the light. He's saying live as children of holiness, live lives that are set apart because of the goodness, righteousness or, or justice and the truth which those lives display. But it's also important to realise where this holiness comes from or maybe where it doesn't come from. Paul wants us to understand that we are not naturally given to holiness. In fact, we 
were not naturally, we were naturally given to the opposite of holiness. You can see that at the start of verse 8. What we were naturally given to is darkness or sin. But now we are light or holy in the Lord Jesus. Personally, I find this verse really helpful. First, it helps me to understand uh, that I work to live a holy life by the Holy Spirit's power because the Father already sees me as holy through my faith in Jesus. Uh, so being holy is simply being who God has saved me and you to be. But also it's a helpful reminder that we don't become holy by trying to be super serious or trying really hard. Holy does not equal boring and it doesn't equal busy either. No, holiness means pursuing Jesus, imitating Jesus, becoming like Jesus. We are holy through our unity with him and we live holy lives by living like him. Lives which verses 13 and 14 remind us will shine out into the darkness of the world around us, revealing sin in our society and in turn attracting people to Jesus like moths to a light bulb. Second, <clears throat> be proactive, verses 15 to 17. Uh, some people are naturally organised, and maybe that's you, maybe you're a naturally organised person. Uh, I am not a naturally organised person. In fact, I have to work really hard not to fall back into utter disorganisation, chaos and disarray. Uh, Recognising that this is a problem, uh, over the years I've read books and blogs, watched YouTube videos and listened to podcasts uh, in a bid to get organised. And through them all, one common thread uh, is always present, and it's this. Be proactive. Be proactive. Don't just be busy, but be proactive and use the time you have wisely. And you know what? The same is true of the Christian life. We need to be proactive with the time that we have and not just busy. Paul's plea to be proactive is uh, bookended by two calls to be wise. Take a look at verse 15. Be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And again, verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And in many ways, understand what the Lord's will is, is a great definition of biblical wisdom. One writer put it like this, he said, to be wise means to act like one who is in relationship with the Lord. To be wise means to act like one who is in relationship with the Lord. And living like we're in relationship with the Lord requires us to be proactive, to make the most of the time that is given to us. But Paul gives us another reason to be proactive in verse 16, namely because the days are evil. Plagues of locusts, racism, human trafficking, a global pandemic. Uh, I don't think any of us need much convincing this year to be reminded that we live in evil times. Uh, that part is relatively straightforward and should remind us that we're living in the last days. We are awaiting Jesus' glorious return. So how do we live in the meantime? You've guessed it, proactively. It's precisely because these days are evil that Paul reminds us that 
that we are in these end times and that we're to make the most of every opportunity. Now, there's a bit of um, there's a bit of uh, a difference among commentators uh, as to what every opportunity means. Uh, some think every opportunity is a call to evangelism, like in Colossians. 4 verses 5 to 6. Uh, others think that Paul is giving a general principle to use our time wisely, whatever we're doing, be it evangelism or anything else. It's hard to say for certain, um, but I think that this is a general rather than a specific command in verse 16. I think Paul is saying that the wise Christian pursues a proactive lifestyle, and that means they're ready to grab any opportunity the Lord sends their way, whatever it might be. Since um, the lockdown too has started, uh, some of us may find that we have more free time uh, than ever. Some may find that we have less free time than we had before. Uh, whatever the situation you find yourself in, uh, don't let the opportunities God sends you slip away, be it evangelism, service, work, rest, uh, education, time with family or time with the Lord. Grab the opportunities with both hands and do it with all your heart, not for yourself, but for the glory of God. Third, be spirit filled. Verse 18. I went to uh, Sixth Form College just a few miles away from here at Brooklyn in Weybridge. Uh, and there I studied rock and popular music. My dad told me, don't study rock and popular music. You'll never it will never be useful for your life. And you know what? He was right. Um, but as you might expect from that kind of course, uh, alcohol was a big part of the lifestyle. Uh, at the weekends, a bunch of us would all pile around someone's house and have far too much to drink. I remember one time, uh, the summer before I became a Christian, I got so drunk that I couldn't remember anything the next day. To this day, I have no idea what happened in those hours, other than what people told me the following day. And the things that I apparently did and said uh, made me feel ashamed. Now, anyone who's ever had too much to drink knows that too much alcohol makes you act out of character and excessive amounts of alcohol make you act without thinking, something uh, my teenage self uh, remembers all too well. And it's against that kind of drinking that Paul warns us in verse 18, saying, do not get drunk with wine or alcohol, which leads to debauchery. In this verse, the word debauchery carries with it the sense of recklessness. Uh, drinking might lead us to being reckless with our actions, reckless with our speaking, uh, reckless with our behaviour in general. I wonder how many affairs began with two people having too much to drink. I wonder how many family feuds began with people having too much to drink. And given one recent survey that was done uh, over the, uh, the first lockdown, 50% of Brits are drinking more due to the pandemic and some beginning drinking even before midday. Paul's warning then is a word in season for us. So instead of being filled with alcohol, Paul wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Being spirit filled, I don't know about you, but it's kind of one of those jargon Christian phrases 
that could easily get chucked around but never properly defined? Are you a spirit-filled person? It's important to be a spirit-filled person. Here's five steps to being a spirit-filled person. But day-to-day, -day, being filled with the Holy Spirit simply means being filled with his qualities. And since the Holy Spirit indwells all Christians as a sign of adoption into God's family, as we saw way back in chapter one, all Christians should be displaying these qualities to greater or lesser extents. Uh, Paul lists some of these qualities for us in Galatians chapter five, verses 22 to 23. He says, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, godliness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. That means if uh, the more we drink, the more we indulge in reckless behaviour, then the more we depend on the power of the Holy Spirit within us, the more we'll display self-controlled behaviour. Uh, in the case of alcohol, that might mean being able to enjoy a drink in moderation, a couple of evenings a week, say. Uh, for some, if moderation is not an option, it might mean not drinking at all. For others, it might mean having the self-control to know our limits and say no uh, when we're out with friends. Whatever it is, one thing is clear. The spirit-filled life is a self-controlled life, and not just with alcohol, but everywhere. Finally, be worshipful, verses 19 to 20. Cast your minds back to Christmas Day 2019. I know it probably feels like a lifetime ago, um, but just cast your minds back to Christmas Day 2019. The final carol has finished and you're milling around uh, the seats with a cup of coffee, maybe a mince pie. You're chatting with folk about their plans. You're hugging uh, and wishing them Merry Christmas, or if you're not a hugger, maybe you're just shaking their hand. Um, now imagine that in that moment I told you that uh, almost a year later, not only would most people be participating in a church service via a live stream, um, but that all the churches in the UK would be shuttered. And that even when they were open for a small part of the year, we couldn't sing at our physical meetings. No doubt you would have laughed me out of the room as some conspiracy theory nutbar. And yet here we are. I went to several in-person services before lockdown two kicked in. And you know what I found the hardest? Not being able to sing. It was really hard. It was really, really frustrating. Not only is it second nature, singing is just what you do naturally when you're sat uh, at church on a Sunday morning. But because you want to sing, uh, but you can't and you don't out of love for your neighbour uh, and out of respect for the governing authorities, but that doesn't make it any easier. But we can sing now. I can sing, you can sing, uh, lovely people tuning in from home. Uh, it might not be the same as sitting in church and singing together, um, but we can sing during our live stream services. So here is what Paul has to say to us this morning. Verses 19 to 20 is the, sec is, uh, the last of three occasions in Paul's letter that tackle the topic of speech. 
Uh, and in many ways, verses 19 to 20 flow out of verse 18. Spirit-filled people are those who are filled with praise and thanksgiving for the God who loved them so much that he gave up his son to death for them. As we saw earlier, one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. And joy, among other things, produces joyful, worshipful singing in God's people. Spirit-filled people are those who are filled with praise and thanksgiving for God. After all, Ephesians 1 verse 6 reminds us that one of the reasons we were chosen, adopted, predestined and redeemed through Jesus' death on the cross was so that we might praise God's glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the Lord Jesus. This is just one of the reasons why uh, churches prioritise the songs uh, that have great lyrics over songs which are maybe musically slick or popular. Um, it's not because they're stuck in their ways. Uh, it's because as a church, we want to spend our time singing songs that are dripping with biblical truth so that we can praise God with biblical truth. So that we can fill our hearts with it until they overflow with thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 20. But notice when we sing together, we're not just singing to the Lord. We're singing to each other. Paul says in verse 19, speak to God. He, well, no, sorry, he doesn't say speak to God. He says speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. We live in such an individualistic age uh, that even when we're together, it's easy to think that sung worship is just between me and God. But it isn't. We sing to God together, corporately, even if we're all scattered to our own homes and connecting over a live stream. One of the things that spurs us on to sing and make music in our hearts to the Lord is the sound of our brothers and sisters in Christ singing with joyful hearts. Unfortunately, even over live streams, we often can't uh, do that. We don't hear each other singing. Uh, you might be grateful for that. I don't know. Uh, I guess it depends on how good your singing voice is. But we can sing at home. We can sing as loudly, joyfully and passionately as we like from the comfort of our living rooms. We can sing to one another. Uh, we can sing praises to God as a family with our children, either on a Sunday or, you know, even in just in the car driving uh, to and from school. And if you enable your video, but not necessarily your audio, then we can all be encouraged as we see everyone singing to one another. Over the last few weeks, uh, we've been thinking about this idea of putting off and putting on. And in this week's passage especially, seeing that it's not enough to simply stop singing, we also need to pursue godliness. Or to put it simply, it's not just about not living like we were, sinners, we also need to carry on being who God has made us to be. His people, his children, his friends, his family. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you that you have redeemed us from the futile ways we inherited from our ancestors, not with perishable things like silver and gold, but with the imperishable blood your son Jesus Christ. We thank you that our old selves were crucified uh, on the cross with Christ, that they are dead 
uh, that they died with Christ and our old self was buried with him. And that when Jesus rose to new life, we rose uh, to new life too. We are now new creations. The old is gone and the new has come. Lord, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would help us to live in light of that reality. Help us not to indulge uh, the old uh, ghost of the old nature that hangs around, but help us to live as we are, your people, your children, your friends, your family. Help us to understand who we are in Christ, righteous, forgiven, redeemed. May that affect every aspect of how we live. Lord, we are forgetful people and we so easily forget it. Please, Lord, keep it in our hearts and minds this week and every week. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you uh, once again for joining, uh, for letting me join you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, if you have uh, any questions about anything you've heard uh, in this message, uh, even if you disagree with me, uh, and want to let me know, that's fine. Uh, do drop me an email. My email address is liam at aboutacc.com, liam at aboutacc.com. And I will see you all again in a few weeks' time. Thank you.